Well, how are you guys doing uh, during what week or month seven now in this uh, time of pandemic? Um, it's during this time where we ask ourselves, God, what are you doing? You know, Lord, what is God up to? How is he working in the world? What is what is God accomplishing and working in the in the not only in the world but in our country, in our state, in our city, our community? What is God doing in our health, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our finances? One of the theological foundations that we uphold is this thing that God is not capricious, meaning that God is not moody. He's not unaccountable and he changes his mood or his behavior. You see, here's the good news. Today we're going to be talking about God's plan of reorientation. The good news is that if you're wishing and wishing and wishing and wishing to know God's plan, God has a rhythm. He is a pathway. He has a paradigm and he has a design of how he moves and he works. In this series that we're doing in Isaiah, it's seeing uh, God's hand at work and also hearing his voice through the prophet Isaiah. And the great news is that as we read through Isaiah, we're going to see the thumbprint and the work of God and his movement throughout, not only in individuals, but also through nations and, and what he does in the church and what he does in communities and what he does in his people collectively. And because God is good, he has his rhythm and his pattern of how he works. So let's see this in Isaiah chapter 43 of God's plan of reorientation. Verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Verse 3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Now let's jump down to verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the word of the Lord. And let's just go straight to the main point this morning. Would you write this down? The journey of the spiritual life engages in the movement of orientation, disorientation, 
and reorientation. So in other words, the way that God works, God's plan, according to the great existential philosopher Drake, <laughs> the rapper Drake, God's plan is that he works and he moves and he forms character. How? Through three movements, through orientation, through disorientation, and through reorientation. The first is, re is orientation. What is orientation? Orientation means that things are secure. I've got a sense of location. I know where I'm at and I know what's happening. That everything makes sense in my life. Everything is all good in the hood. That I'm chilling like a villain on penicillin. Right? Like the other great philosopher, Ice Cube, says, Today was a good day. That everything is good. Everything is great. Everything is settled. There's a nice groove in life. There's a good grasp of, of rhythm of life. That everything is expected like they're, and they're, it's working like it's supposed to be. That everything's oriented. That God orients us to this. But the second stage is called disorientation and this is where there's pain and dislocation where I was set when life was all good all of a sudden in a twinkling of an eye and the snap of a thumb I have been moved and I am dislocated I don't know where I am I am discombobulated I'm disoriented I'm bewildered I am confused I'm I'm overwhelmed. Just like the Godfather 3, Michael Corleone, right? Where he tried to get out of the mafia. And the famous line, just when I thought I was out, they sucked me back in. And just when you thought everything was great, disorientation happens. And God rocks your world. It's just like Job in our devotions. Every, he was prosperous, family was doing well in the twinkling of an eye, in a swift move. His health, his family, his children, his wealth, everything was swept away. And he was in disorientation. But there's a third stage or third movement, which is called reorientation, which is a new relocation of security. We realize what God has lifted us out of the pit and we are a new place full of gratitude and awareness about our lives and about God. When we go through reorientation, we have a different we are different from who we were and what we were before, and God grows our character, our patience, our trust, our hope and confidence. Uh, there's a brilliant, for real, right? No more rapper reference. <laughs> okay. There's a brilliant Old Testament scholar. His name is Walter Brueggemann. And Walter Brueggemann, in his book called The Spirituality of the Psalms and Praying Through the Psalms, he, he lists these three things. Orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And he says that 40% of Psalms, the book of Psalms, they're called Psalms of Lament. Meaning, my God, why have you forsaken me? My enemies surrounded. Woe is me. 
where you're disoriented and you're lamenting and grieving over life and over your situation. And if you look at the form of Psalms, actually, there's different forms or structure or outlines of different Psalms. There's always a set, most of them has a section of disorientation or lament, which means that 70%, two out of two thirds of the Psalms are lament Psalms. It includes this thing of disorientation where there's suffering and pain and chaos and dislocation and we don't know what's happening. And we are living in a season of disorientation. What we thought was normal when we thought year 2020, this is going to be your year. This is going to be your, this is going to be a year of vision. You're going to have 2020's sight of what God has for you. And all of a sudden, it, 2020 hit and it just kind of disorients what we thought would be normal, what we thought was what church was going to be, what we thought our finances were was going to be, what we thought our relationships were going to be, it completely got disoriented. And this is the history of the people of God who are listening to Isaiah preach. Remember, they were in Egypt, they were in orientation, and then... God delivered them and they had 40 years in the wilderness and then they were disoriented. They were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And after that, God reorients them where? In the promised land. And everything was good. And they, and they ended up and everything was wonderful. But the problem is this is not a one-time deal because after they were reoriented and that was their orientation, they listen to Isaiah and they go through a lot of disorientation. They go through the movement of God. Just like when we're just as we're looking for life to be steady and secure. Here comes Isaiah. And this is the movement of life in God. This is the movement of freedom here on earth. And it's a pathway. And remember Isaiah... Uh, he preaches, let me just give you a context, I'll just uh, summarize this. The Assyrians back then conquered them, and they were under Assyrian rule. Remember Sennacherib uh, last week from, uh, from what we talked about and what we learned, Sennacherib, he was in Assyria, he actually settled in Nineveh, that's why Jonah didn't want to go there. The Assyrians came. They were under Assyrian rule. And then after that, they were, in, they were disoriented with Assyrian rule. And that was, God reorients them. Hey, you got to trust in me. You got to repent. They're like, okay, cool. We're under the Assyrians. And all of a sudden, the Babylonians come. And they were exported and deported. They were scattered out. And for 70 years, under Babylonian captivity and Babylonian rule, that was their new orientation after being disoriented. And now, here we are in Isaiah chapter 43, the Persians come. And God says, hey, I'm going to use a pagan king called Cyrus. He will be a Hamashiach. What does that mean? That he is going to be a Messiah, that he's going to save you, he's going to deliver you. 
and you're gonna go around I'm gonna send you 700 to 500 maybe 900 miles and it's gonna take you four months through the desert that's why it says though you walk through the desert or the wasteland yes there's bandits in the deserts there's trouble that you're gonna leave all your security and you're gonna go back to Jerusalem which is in ruins by the way you'll be poor but I'm with you and Isaiah chapter 43 they don't like this plan and they and if we're honest we don't like I don't like God's plan of disorientation let me ask you right now how many of you are in orientation that this is where God has you and everything's great you're an essential worker your finances haven't suffered one bit in fact because of the pandemic oh you you traffic is pretty clean and nice for you <laughs> and everything's good nobody got sick from covid everything's gravy and you're in orientation how many of us are in are in that right now how many of us are in disorientation where you're confused what is god doing you're going through suffering how many of us are reorientation that that God is moving us back and we're being refreshed and renewed in our gratitude in our relationship with God well here's the good news if you're not in disorientation you're gonna be in disorientation soon because that's how God works it's like King David he had the sweet gig playing for King Saul and he was living in the palace and that's where his new orientation was that's where God oriented him and then all of a sudden Saul becomes jealous of him and starts chucking him with spears and wants to kill him he has to run from his life hides in the cave and he's completely disoriented but the the main thing about Saul, uh, David is that even though he had an opportunity to and Saul was a wicked guy wicked king wicked ruler he was a bad dude yet David did not touch the Lord's anointed and through that God reorients David to become the king that through the season of disorientation he did not touch the Lord's anointed and God worked this character of honor and respect and trusting God and because of that he is reoriented as king you look throughout all the Bible Peter you know Peter from one second he was oriented who do people say I am Peter says you are the Christ right and you know, upon this rock I build my church and he was like this hot shot and then the next thing he's disoriented he denies Christ and then Jesus by grace he reorients him back same thing with Jonah everything was good God told him to go to Nineveh capital of the Assyrian Empire is like no I don't want to go there they're my enemies and God this disorients and works out prejudice and racism against in his heart and in his life and God uh, brings orientation from biblical characters to some of you some of us have gone through health problems and health crisis We've had church members that have gone through the hospital. 
multiple, uh, there's a sister who's gone through two surgeries these last uh, five months. You have a failing health and it's this disorientation and you're asking God, why are you allowing this to happen? You know, people at our church, uh, some of us have cancer. Some of us where life is settled, your empty nester, everything is good. And then your elderly parents' health is failing and it's disorients and it rocks your world. And you now like, ah, oh, I got to spend time. And what do I do? Should I make the, should they live with us? Should I, should I, we invest in a retirement home? What are we, and it just shakes your whole world. Maybe some of us it's divorce and the pain of divorce. Maybe it's infidelity. Could be wayward children, wayward grandchildren. It could be this morning. This disorientation is addiction. And maybe it's substance abuse, alcoholism, mental illness. It could be a death in the family that's just kind of rocked your world. And you don't know what in the world God is doing. And you're disoriented. May I encourage you this morning to look to God. We don't know why there's so much pain and suffering in this world. And sometimes I don't understand it. But I do know there's re repeated movements of God from Genesis to Revelation. Where God allows His people to go through orientation, disorienta disorientation, and reorientation so that he could work something in us, so that he could break our self-will, so that we can trust in him. There's no other way to get that material inside of us. There's no way for God to forge our inner character than to do it through disorientation. I wish there was some pill that we could take to avoid this orientation, but the character and transformation happens in disorientation. Something happens in your walk with Jesus when your world is rocked. You know the process of a caterpillar? We've seen it, right? Where there's a cocoon, there's a small caterpillar, it goes into a cocoon, it develops into a butterfly. And maybe you watch it on National Geographic or you watched it on YouTube. And it's tremendous because a butterfly in that cocoon, he's, it's pushing through and against those walls with its wings and it's trying to break free. And some people with good intentions are like, oh, that poor little butterfly, it wants to develop its wings. So they help open the cocoon and bypass this process. You know what happens when people do that? Their wings, their wings do not develop. The pressure of trying to kick its way out, the, the butterfly is unable to fly and it, be, and it dies. You see, something beautiful happens in disorientation something profound in your oneness in your relationship with Jesus that can happen in no other place
except through disorientation where God brings you back into reorientation. In 1991 to 1994, yeah. there's a Texan billionaire. His name is Ed Bass. And he got, he invested over $150 million. There's a picture of it here. And he developed this thing called the Biosphere in the deserts of Arizona. It was a sealed glass world. And they put scientists in there from seven countries. And they basically wanted to uh, develop or replicate life here on Earth. So the possibility of, you know, developing life on Mars. So they have this ecosystem in this artificial glass biosphere and this glass dome had oxygen. It had insects and fish and rainforest and soil for growing food and artificial ocean with a wave machine. Can you imagine that? And the scientists were so excited. They planted trees and they planted um, and the, the trees grew more quickly and planted the trees. But what ended up happening was many of the trees began to fall before they reach the reproductive stage. Why? Because they discovered that the absence of the wind in that glass dome, when there was no wind to push back and forth, it could not produce trees that were strong enough wood, that the wood was too weak to reproduce and stay. And they found out that strong headwinds is necessary to produce strong trees. Strong trials produce strong Christians. This is what A.W. Tozer said, To do His supreme work of grace within you, He will take from your heart everything you love most, everything you trust, everything you trust in will go from you. Piles of ashes will lie where your most precious treasures used to be. There's an Austrian writer, Jean-Paul Cossad, who says, God instructs the heart, not through ideas, but through suffering and adversity. How do you learn to be like Christ? It's not through teaching. It's not through preaching. You grow to be like Christ through suffering. There's no other road, there's no other process that God uses except through pain and disorientation and suffering. And the reason why God uses disorientation is that it weeds out these false beliefs about God that have to be rooted out of us. And the only way to get that word out of us is not from hearing it preached, it has to be lived. And the biggest thing of in, that happens in disorientation is that you're no longer following God because of the good feelings you get from Him. You're actually following God for God. 
And the only way to pull you from following God for what you're getting out of it is to pull you with a disorientation. You have to go through the fire. You have to go through the waters. You have to go through the smoke so that we don't get attached to just good feelings about God, but we get attached to God. And there's a big difference. God is not just a sugar daddy that we could, we kind of tolerate. Oh, uh, you know, it's kind of like the old guy up there, but he gives me stuff. He blesses me with, me with stuff, but I'm not really in love with him. No, the, the process of disorientation purifies our motives. It galvanizes a resolve to love God. And to galvanize our, our faith. So, what do we do when we go through disorientation? Let me just go through the first two verses here. Number one, remember that God is creator. Look what it says in Isaiah 43.1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. You see what God says here? It's like, hey, I made you like I made the universe. I actually created you. I was there when I formed you. And it says, you know, the, all throughout scriptures, Genesis, that God, Yatsar, that he formed us, that he molded us, that he shaped us. Psalm says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like in every circumstance that comes into your life, God has measured it precisely like a potter measuring the crafting of his clay so that you'll become exactly that. Every trial, every difficulty, every pain in the neck, God wants to let you know that he formed you and he created you. God measured it in your life. It was not an accident God, who's seated on the throne, who the angels cry out, Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of His glory. He formed you, He created you, and He's there, and He allows it. Having teenagers, it's a very challenging time for parents. You know, these teenage weirds are so awkward for kids. They have the mind of a child or a kid, but yet their bodies are growing into adults. Their hormones are developing. They're, you know, like children look for affirmation and approval from their peers or their friends or their Instagram likes or their TikTok likes. But yet... Sat down with my kids this week. I was like, guys, I, you guys know that I'm your father and I love you. When my son Judah, when we found out that Renee was, was pregnant, she was working this um, labor-intensive job. And, you know, she was uh, bleeding and we thought we had a miscarriage. And I laid my head, my head on 
her belly and I prayed and I, I, tears were flowing down her stomach. I was like, Lord, please protect this child. This child's a gift from you. I said, guys, there's nothing that you can do to make you, for us, to make you love you any less. If you disobey, it doesn't mean we love you any less. Our love for you is constant, just like Jesus. If you do good, our love for you will, doesn't mean we'll love you anymore. Our love for you is constant. And this is the love of the Father for you. And this is His heart for you, that He created you and He formed you from the womb. Secondly, remember that God is Redeemer. Look at verse 1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. God says, I myself have liberated you. You weren't even looking for me, but I came and I ran after you. I summoned you by name. It was love at first sight. You are mine. When I got you by name, I, got, I, I, I had your name in mind. So you may think that I've abandoned you in this disorientation, but you're precious to me. You know, I've mentioned this before, but, but God knows you by name. You go to Costco, you know, optometry department. They're like, they know you, number nine, come on in. Costco knows you by your Costco membership number. You go to DMV, they know you by your driver's license number. You fill out your taxes, you're known by your social security number. To the world, you may be a number, but God redeems you and He calls you by name. Lastly, God is with you. Look at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That the presence of God, Psalm 23 says, right? That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Go through waters, go through the fire, go through the flames. It will not consume us. It will not overburden us. It will, we will not be burned. And most of us have an image of God in our minds that He's constantly frustrated with us and He's angry, that He's irritated at us and He's disappointed. We see God more of a prosecuting attorney instead of a defense attorney. But as we close, God is revealing Himself here as a lover of our souls, that He allows us to go to disorientation so that He could work and forge and produce Christ-likeness in each one of us. What God is, is he is holy. He says, I'm your lover. I love you with an everlasting love. And it's through disorientation that God's, this is God's plan. This is the movement of God. 
He's not doing it to be mean. He's not doing it to be facetious. But he's doing it because he loves us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, O God, that you are at work. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would reach out to us, O Lord God, in ways that we can understand. Lord, of all the different love languages, I pray right now, Lord, that your grace would reach down. It's your kindness, Lord God, Romans says, that leads us to repentance. So, Lord, I pray, God, that we won't resist your work, that we would see your plan of disorientation in our lives so that you could reorient us into a new way of life. You could bring us, as Paul says, from glory to glory to glory to glory, that we would continue, Lord God, to have our faith strengthened, that we would continue, Lord God, to have our love renewed, that as we see you walking with us in the valleys, O Lord God, you are creator, you are redeemer, and that you are with us. So, Father, we worship you this morning. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.